And here you have a lot of places to drink some Portugal wine. Porto yes. Wine. I don't know if you like it. Yes. But yes. this is a perfect place for you to drink Porto wine and to see Porto from the other side. It, it's the most beautiful view. It's from this side. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I advise you to walk down and see everything that you can in here because mm -hmm. it's the most beautiful places that you can visit in Porto. It's just right here. Okay. Welcome to Meandering. We are very, very behind, and for that, I apologize. The last week and a half of our trip was very, very busy, and we've been focusing more on spending time with friends than this podcast. I think that's forgivable, and I hope you do too. Anyway, back to Porto. Porto divides in two places. Here, it's the non-tourist places. Mm -hmm. You will find some tourists, but not so much. And here is the tourist part. Mm -hmm. Here is cheaper than this side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here is the good, the, the the most good places for you to go at night. Okay. You uh, this map is well done because you have the the night stops that you can go. This one is not. Mm -hmm. But you okay. have here the places marked as the night stops. Okay. For example, to eat Francesinha, the most Awesome places for you to eat, Francinha. I have. Do you have a pen? Uh, yes. We took the train north from Lisbon up to Porto, where we met our very sweet host, Raquel. She showed us the apartment and gave us some great suggestions for stuff to do and eat and drink in the city. We also explored the city via a free tour called the Worst Tour, which was a little kind of birthday present for Jonah from my dad and Darla. The tour was focused on the history and architecture of the city of Porto. Okay, let's keep the people and join more normal housing. Right. Not so not to do what, what we are normally doing nowadays, getting the people out and and calling other type of apartments. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if they have common bathrooms over there, do they? I, th I think not. Perhaps they, they they all have a little bathroom inside inside each house. Mm -hmm. There's a cat playing, yeah. playing with the, the seagulls, isn't it? Perhaps he's scared of the seagulls. They, they are about twice its size. Yes, it's true. I, I sometimes in the in some places on on this side I saw like the seagulls they like to play a lot the planes like just go woo and then just for the fun you know. Yeah. Look, like I can fly you know like woo, yeah. look at what I'm doing. Then they, they do all around. Yeah, all this playing. The tour took us through some of the less touristed parts of Porto, which we appreciated. It was great to see some lesser-known parts of the city. But we also knew we wanted to do some of the more typical tourist activities as well, like doing a tour and tasting at one of the port houses across the river in Villanova de Gaia. Wine is designed to create the perfect conditions for the aging of port. The thick granite walls and tall ceilings keep the temperature low throughout the year. Proximity to the river and the coast provides humidity evaporation. In this cool, dark and tranquil environment, the wine matures slowly and evenly, gradually developing the sublime aromas of maturity as it ages in cask, vat or bottle. Now, please walk forward between the rows of casks and then pause in front of the screen on your left. I wish we could like record the smell in here because it smells like a mix between like like concrete after it rains because it's super damp and like port and it smells so good.
warm from that port. Yep. Okay, so we gotta go back by Taylor's and walk up? Yeah. You don't think we can go with this? Because it's dead end? What? Because it's dead end? No, this is where we came from. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah, you're right. We took advantage of the bad weather in Porto and stayed in a lot, relaxing and catching up on work. The kitchen in our apartment was very well equipped, so we got to do some cooking, which was really, really nice. We also went out to a local craft brewery, which reminded us very much of home. Yeah. And any, any little like travel thing you go on makes you appreciate home more, but like this, ten times as much. Like yeah. I feel like I haven't been home in so long, but like, yeah, just having like an IPA is like... This is, like, you, when you're in Portland, you don't realize, like, not everybody gets to have an IP. Not everybody gets to drink Portland beer and have this city and these, like, uniquely American experiences, like, these uniquely Portland experiences. Yeah. So it makes it, like, I feel like when we go home, we're just going to appreciate it so much more. And even, the, like, I'm thinking of, like, the way, the access we have to, like, really good Asian food, really good Ethiopian food. Right, really good cuisines of all. Yeah, that are like, yeah, like the pho place, it's like there's nothing like that here. Yeah, here it's like there's like Portuguese food, Italian food, and then like some some Asian food, mostly sushi because the seafood here is so good. Right. That's like it. Yeah. But it's not just food either. It's also just like cultural. Well, I mean, I guess maybe it is. Well, and we just haven't. We we literally haven't been in a country in five months where the official language is English. Yeah. And so, anywhere we go, like any public establishment, there's yeah. that cultural thing of like, yeah, they might speak English, but like, it's gonna be crazy to get on the bus and be like, hi, how are you? Nice. Thank you. Right. Or when you get off the bus in Portland, oh, you always say, thank yeah, you. Yeah, everyone says thank you to the bus driver. Yeah, thank you. That doesn't even happen in Chicago. No. It's a side note, side, sidebar. In Portland, when you get off the back of the bus, <laughs> when you push the, the back of the bus doors, every single person always says... Not every single person. Most people, it's like a cultural thing, most people say thank you to the bus driver even though he's like way in the front of the bus. I probably can't hear you. You just kind of yell, thank you, and everybody does it. It's very strange. It's kind of like... I think you think a lot more people do it than actually do because we a haven't lot been there of people do it. I mean, I know a lot of people do it, oh but my like, gosh, not everybody. A lot everybody. of people do it. <laughs> For the record, note, a lot of people do it. After nine days in Porto, we took a train back to Lisbon and went and picked up a rental car. We upgraded to an Audi A3 because of all of our luggage, which was easily one of the nicest cars either of us had ever driven. From there, we drove to Evora, a town about two hours east of Lisbon. We mostly went to Evora because my mom loved the town and told us we had to go there to see the Chapel of the Bones and because she said there was a winery about an hour east where we had to eat lunch. 
And who are we to argue, especially when she made us the reservation? Have you ever like been to a winery before and bought bottles of wine? No, this was pretty adult experience all around. Pretty good all adult. Good. Oh, adult experience. I feel like yes. Oh, there's the horse again. There's something like, else. Chill. Other dogs. A couple dogs. So we just had lunch at. <laughs> Why are you so suddenly in like announcer mode? <laughs> so we just had lunch. So, uh, we just had lunch at Esperal Winery. And we found out about it from my mom, who has been there for lunch and said everyone on her trip that they like ran into told her to go there. And they went and it was incredible. And then multiple people that we had met, that we have met on our trip told us to also go there for lunch and Mariana from the Lazy Flavors Wine Tour told us to go there mostly via Instagram so we made a reservation and we got there very early and had just one of the most phenomenal meals I've had in a very long time I would say it was six courses but there was some surprises from the chef and a bread course and we did a wine pairing and it was just beautiful everything about it was beautiful and the chef came out to like kind of service one of the courses but then afterwards he came out and talked to us and I'm not sure if it was because of the Instagram or the blog or what but he after we ate, he came out and talked to us some more and then gave us a tour of the kitchen, which was pretty incredible. I mean, they had finished service, so it wasn't... It was really big. But the kitchen was huge. Um, and just, he was so friendly, and the service was so great, and, you know, we got the impression that had we been there in the summer, we would not have gotten the treatment that we did. But because it was the low season and we were kind of the last diners of the day, he had some time to show us around and it's just beautiful. Well, I noticed that, like, I realized afterwards how they, like, the other two people left. Like, they kind of made sure we didn't get our check in time so that it was, like... Yeah, everyone else had left before he came and talked to us. Yeah. That was kind of nice. I just like can't get over how everything was just perfect. The serving sizes were perfect. The flavors were really beautiful. The wine pairings were unbelievable. I thought everything was really, just really it was good. so nice. And we looked out over the vineyards and the lake, and even if it was even though it was cloudy, you know, it was just like really gorgeous. Yeah. So we did a little tour with him, and then we went to the gift shop to buy a gift for someone that we're going to see soon, and a couple of bottles of wine that we had during the during our lunch. And then we went to the car, and the sun had just come out. It had been kind of cloudy, very Portlandy all day, very overcast and a little drizzly. We went to the car, and the sun came out, and I feel like the saturation just got turned up. 
like the sky became mm-hmm. this like hyper blue and the grass was like really so green and so as we had driven in there was this little like historical area of the winery that we were like oh maybe on the way out we can go to it and so we stopped and took a bunch of pictures and orange trees and olive trees and this old church and there was this dog who was really cute and it just felt like And we're driving back to Evora now, and the sun is shining, and we keep passing some fields of goats and horses and sheep and cows and vineyards and vineyards and vineyards and olive trees and just orange trees. The next day we explored Evora some more, walking around and seeing the Chapel of Bones and the Roman ruins before hitting the road to the western coast of Portugal to a small town called Odisseche. Odisseisha wasn't the smoothest, but once we got a hold of the owner of the hostel where we were staying and got inside, we were the only people staying there, we grabbed dinner across the street and settled in to do some work. We were supposed to go on a hike along the coast the next day, but I got hit with a gnarly stomach bug, so after making me tea and toast, Jonah headed to the beach to do the hike by himself. Seven degrees almost feels like 60. There's a breeze by the ocean, the air smells faintly like olive trees. And of course, being Jonah on a hike by himself, he wrote a little song. I'm alive, and I was alone, and never go down, I find it night, we'll never see, find it in the morning, find it in the night, I didn't so I go up and down. When you come in and out, I thought you go up out so me to the right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I 
The next day we drove from Odeseche down to Portimao, and again we had a bit of a funny arrival. The city wasn't quite what we were expecting, it was full of high-rises and there wasn't much within walking distance of our Airbnb. But we made the best of it, doing day trips to Lule to see the market, to hike along the southwesternmost tip of Europe at Sagres, and to explore some beautiful cliffs and forts along the coast in Lagos. This is the sound of some of the big coves at a fort in Lagos that we visited, water rushing in and out under the rocks. It feels like a bunch of sand, you know? Or like rocks. Oh. <laughs> That's so cool. On February 16th, we drove to Faro and hopped on a plane to Amsterdam. In the next episode, you'll hear more about our time in the Netherlands and finally our journey back to the States. Thanks for listening to Meandering. You can go to our website, meanderingpodcast.com, to see accompanying pictures and sign up for our newsletter to get new episodes straight to your inbox. I can't get the ba 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 the right notes. You really can't. I don't know if I could either, though. <laughs> I don't think there's a buff up bar right there. No. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Oh, ah, dude! <laughs> I didn't know what I was ready for. How did I know? No, what? I didn't know what oh. I was what I was saying yet. Well, that's what comes next, though.